0: is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersections of technology and ministry. It is part of the podcast network sponsored by Wells, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Our show today is hosted by Martin Spriggs and Sally Draper. Welcome back to Well's Tech, everybody. This is episode 705. We're recording this on July 20th. That's a Thursday, 2023. My name is Martin Spriggs, and Well's Tech is a podcast about technology and ministry and where those two intersect. Standing on that corner, that intersection, as usual, Sally Draper. Hey, Sally. (laughs)
1: Good morning, Martin, right here at the intersection. I sure am. And I'm excited to be back at this intersection. It has been a while. Actually, we took a, quite a break. Um, and I would say primarily because you had some grand adventures. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your travels?
0: Uh, yeah, I spent about two and a half weeks in, uh, beautiful Colorado and Southeast Utah with, the uh, family and some friends. And, um, uh, Beautiful weather, great family time, a lot of campfires, uh, s'mores, nice. uh, everything that goes along with that. Went off-roading for the first time with my son. He's big into off-roading, and he lives in Denver, so he's got plenty of opportunities to to climb mountains with his vehicle. So uh, I'd never done that before. We we stayed on the mountain. We didn't fall off the cliff. Uh, Thanks to expert driving and good equipment. But uh, that was an experience, really. Um, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word. I enjoy um, getting to know a little bit more about what my kids enjoy. So from that perspective, it was enjoyable. But it was quite scenic and, you know, go to places where most people don't go or can't go or don't want to go. Just beautiful scenery in the Colorado mountains. So that's where I was the last two and a half weeks. Now I'm back neat. in the flatlands.
1: Glad you had a chance to get away and enjoy um, some refreshing clean air, I'm sure, mm-hmm. out there in Colorado. Reminds me it of was. a time when I was pretty young. My brother was into racing, um, like uh, race car racing. They would just do timed races track stuff. And he took me once with him and I had to wear a helmet in the car. And I thought that was kind of strange that (laughs) riding in the car required a helmet. So um, first sign that you're
0: probably not doing what you should be doing.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So good to have the experience to know what it's like. It is.
0: Yeah, we had a great time, but good to be back. Good to be back in the podcast chair and episode seven hundred five. We kind of pick up where we left off. Uh, we've had a summer long series here where we're reviewing a book, "Tech Like a Pirate," using classroom technology to create an experience and make learning memorable by Matt Miller uh, from Ditch That Textbook. And I've enjoyed it so far. I've read it a couple times now. It is super quick read if you'd want to pick up a copy either digital or paper copy at home and follow along uh it's not expensive it's a quick read and i think the the, uh, you probably agree sally i think we've said this on the podcast before it's probably greatest value is the electronic resources that are made alongside it that are kept pretty much up to date because whenever you're talking about technology uh things change pretty quickly but uh I think my experience so far has been that, uh, the the resources have, have kind of been very current.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I would just take my hat off to Matt Miller having, um, maintained the Wells Tech website for a while, which is a, a resource collection, basically Mm -hmm. that's, that's a difficult thing to do. And he has a really, um, fun and engaging way of building his resources. Um, kind of a brand that he uses on his Mm -hmm. website, ditch that textbook that, um, It's not intimidating at all. It gets you really excited. I'm always like sparking ideas as I'm reading the book and looking at his examples and things. And and that's really so helpful because, you know, you can say, oh, look, you have uh, Google Sheets and Google Docs and all these kind of things that you can collaborate in. But what does that mean until you actually see examples and yeah, understand gives it? Yeah, he lots of
0: templates, examples, videos, the whole thing. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: great resource. So, so, so yeah,
1: good.
0: So we are on chapters five and six. We're taking kind of a couple chapters at a time. And uh, chapter five is entitled "From Four Thousand Miles to Four Inches," and that is a reference to a distance education um project that he had where he brought in uh spanish-speaking kids from i assume spain i think it was spain Mm -hmm. uh to his class via initially via i think it was skype and then or zoom and then ultimately where things kind of got interesting is when they were all collaborating in a google doc which uh Is is kind of pedestrian at this point. Everybody kind of knows that Google Docs can do that, but uh, he talked about um, just kind of the aha moments for the kids as they were, you know, creating. They were uh, creating uh, content right alongside somebody that was four thousand miles away at the same time, which is which is kind of cool when you think about it.
1: It is. Um, I don't know if you've had any big experience like that. It reminded me of planning for conferences where we're fortunate to bring in a whole group of people from across the Synod um, to be in different planning sessions. And all of a sudden, uh, the Google Doc just lights up with all these different colored cursors and everybody's in different places and typing at the same time. And I got that aha moment when when I did that. If you haven't had that collaboration um, moment, that's a pretty cool thing, but definitely um, opportunities to bring collaboration to life. Now, uh, Martin, it also reminded me of those group projects I always got assigned to in school and how much I kind of dreaded like, oh, another group project I got to meet with the group and blah blah blah. But this made group projects just like on a whole nother level where you can um, do the collaboration digitally, you can really turn it into something that's more than it would have been if you had done it on your own.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he and he talks about the kids and and I would assume this is mostly upper grade kids very used to collaboration in a social media context where they're commenting, they're reading, they're posting, I mean, they're, they're living to interact. They're not living kind of in their own little vacuum. So all the things that he talks about in this chapter, including blogging, have some kind of feedback uh, uh, continuum so that there is not just a publish component where you're actually creating something, but there's somebody actually reading it, commenting, contributing to it, um, collaborating on it. And that's kind of the, um, the silver bullet here. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. He even, um, you know, kind of surprised me with mentioning using Google Slides and maybe taking a Google Mm -hmm. slide and making a slide for each individual person. So they're working on a project on their slide, but then they can see what everyone else creates in that same slide deck. I did that once. um, It seems like as an example in a, a workshop or something, and everybody had a letter of the alphabet and was supposed to bring in their favorite items related to that letter of the alphabet. And people put pictures and videos and, you know, you were like, oh, I could have done this, you know, because as you see other people's work, uh, it really opens up your eyes to other ideas.
0: Right. Uh, there um, was a, there was a, I'm sorry, Sally, go ahead.
1: Nope. Just the mention of maps. I bet that's where you were going.
0: It wasn't, but go ahead.
1: Okay. He also talked about using Google Maps. So there's a tool um, my Google Maps and it reminded me that we have used that and I wanted to just do a quick screen share um, to show you an example because that's one that's kind of different that you wouldn't necessarily think of as a collaboration tool. But um, with my Google Maps for home missions, for example, um, we have this Google map that has the different home mission locations on it. And you'll notice that we use different color icons. Um, They kind of represent whether it's an exploratory mission or it might be, um, let's see. Yeah, blue is exploratory. And red is uh, a true mission congregation. And then yellow is a new mission that we're just adding recently and stuff. And then we had the ability to kind of customize what kind of information, including links and uh, notes and things like that, about the location. So um, that's just one example of using um. Google Maps and not collaboratively, obviously, but I wanted to just kind of demonstrate that you can put in all kinds of different information into the map. Um, The idea that I had for um, school usage maybe would be to do something like your back to school activity where everybody's talking about their summer activities or whatever, Mm -hmm. have the students drop a pin where they visited or a favorite place they visited in the past, if they didn't go somewhere this summer and, um, you know, add some information about it. And then everybody can learn about each other's through the map program.
0: Right. And I'll circle back these, tools are not difficult. I mean, he's not talking about things that you have to pay a lot of money for, and there's a huge learning curve to get up to speed on. These are mostly Google tools, slides, uh, as you mentioned, sheets, um, docs, maps, those kinds of things, very approachable. And on top of that, there's all kinds of templates and and tutorials too. So there's there's not a big distance between this and getting this into a classroom. What I wanted to do and mention was to circle back with that uh, that opening job outlook survey from twenty twenty published by the National Association of Colleges and Employers, uh, where they listed problem solving skills, the ability to work in a team, written communication skills, and leadership as kind of the part of that top six that that. Uh, um, companies are looking for, employers are looking for in people coming out of uh, our educational institutions. And um, these kinds of tools, this approach to learning and uh, collaboration, only enforces or reinforces those, those skills that that employers are, are really looking for. And I would say these are skills that uh, the church is looking for, too, and our schools is looking for as we work in team ministries, as we work with volunteers. There's all kinds of opportunities to to use these kinds of skills to, to God's glory in, in ministry settings.
1: Definitely. Um, again, I was just kind of reminded of that as I, I walked through this collaboration and how um, we saw it happen in COVID, how people collaborated mm-hmm. and things and, um, you know, teaching the kids this so that it's just part of their their tool belt, that they understand that they have these tools they can make use of. And they see how it grows, you know, their knowledge and their abilities by working together and collaborating. Um, that's going to stick with them. Yep.
0: Sally, should we go to chapter six? What's that all yeah. about?
1: Yeah. I was excited for Chapter 6. It's called Brain-Friendly, Instagram-Worthy Learning, and it has a lot to do with using visuals. And, um, you know, one thing it said was that um, visuals, including images and videos, are vivid. They connect with our brains differently than text. And it just made me think back to, to long ago stored memories and things and it's the picture that I have in my mind of experiences that is what comes up in my memory and so I think very true to connect learning with imagery um, it kind of takes it to another level and he has great examples of how you can do that he talks a lot about using Um, Google tools, again, like the drawing tool in Google, but also using things like Adobe Spark or Canva um, to create different images and things. And then he has just a ton of amazing resources to go along with it. Um, We'll definitely have a lot of links in the show notes to various pages on Ditch That Textbook where he um, shares templates and ideas and things to go along with.
0: Yep. One thing that struck me, just kind of a little tip, is when he puts these templates together or creates these slides or PowerPoint templates for the kids, uh, for his students, uh, he tries to provide them with as much ammunition as possible, uh, meaning uh, if there are images required or icons, those kinds of things that he wants them to include in their work. He makes them available right in the slide itself. He uses the what he calls the gray space around the the canvas, so the stuff that's uh, not seen when you're putting together a slideshow or whatever, just on the edges where they can quickly grab and drag these things onto the screen, and um, the kind of the. The reason that he does that is so that students aren't wasting time Googling, searching, you know, kind of wandering the Internet. They have resources right at their fingertips and then they can spend more time in the creation process than the hunting process or, you know, maybe getting distracted, you know, using search tools that are taking them places that, you know, aren't aren't overly helpful. So I thought that was a good tip.
1: Yeah, definitely. He has several templates out there like that. Uh, The one that I'm showing on the screen, if you're watching the video, is just loaded with really great icons and different uh, text box shapes and things like that. Um, Even lines, curvy lines and arrows and dotted lines and things of that nature. But um, he also mentioned things like just sequential boxes where um, they're supposed to tell the the timeline or the storyline of something, and you just provide them um, some boxes or things to work in. So Mm -hmm. those are just a couple of the examples. Again, lots of this out on his website where um, he's got it really well organized and and provides lots of different templates and things.
0: Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Great resources. That's one of the reasons we picked the book. And uh, hopefully, if you're following along at home, you're finding that that is the case as well. So anything else for chapter
1: six? Um, Yeah, I did want to make one more mention. And actually it applies pretty much to everything that he's talking about in the whole book. And that's something he's titled a digital gallery walk. Um, And so, you know, a lot of times we're looking for people, for instance, in a blogging setting or whatever to, to comment there digitally. But in this case um, he calls it collaboration on your feet um what he's suggesting is that the students create their work And then just leave it on their screen on their computer at their desk and everyone get up out of their seats and go to different people's desk and look at the work. And, you know, you could have a sheet of paper there for people to comment on or some post-it notes or whatever. It doesn't have to all be digital and it doesn't have to all be just stationary staring at your computer. You can get up and walk around and get people out of their seat and talking face-to-face and maybe getting excited about some of the things and, um, raising some buzz in real time with their voices um, as they look at different things around the classroom. I thought that was a great idea.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Kind of that mix of, of digital and analog, you know, getting, mm-hmm. getting activity, not just people sitting passively in front of a screen or, or finger to keyboard, but uh, foot to foot to ground and, um, you know, interaction. So cool. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's chapters five and six. We'll cover, I think, uh, what are we doing, seven and eight next time we meet. Um, So if you want to, in the meantime, grab a copy of uh, Tech Like a Pirate, uh, link in the show notes for that. So very good. Mm -hmm. Sally, let's move on to our picks of the week.
1: Well, I think we're going to be on the same page with this, Martin, because it looks like we both picked... uh, hardware picks this week. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine kind of comes out of the need to charge a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) And uh, more and more different types of cords are in my life and different devices are in my life. And I just like to try to keep it clean and neat. Um, And basically, as I'm adjusting to um, different circumstances with the illness that I've experienced recently, I needed a charging station downstairs uh, near my desk downstairs. And um, I ended up picking this one from um, Jellycomb. Well, it had to be that title that made me pick it. But anyway, company name is Jellycomb and it's just a small lightweight six port USB charging station. One of them is, um, you know, the 2.0 2 2.0 or whatever so it charges faster and then the other five slots are just normal uh USB charging stations but it'll pretty much take anything that you have that has a USB connection to it um i just recently this is another hardware thing i bought a fan that i wear around my neck it's the weirdest thing it looks like a set of headphones but it keeps you cool like if you're out and about um in the heat of the summer. And so that too plugs in with a USB charger. It's actually got a, a type C connector on it. Um, but I have my phone and my iPad to plug in and I have other devices that use other types of ends. And so uh, this one slick device for only $12.99 from a friendly Walmart. Uh, website um, did the trick for me. And I guess I'll just make a quick mention that um, another thing I've been doing recently is doing a lot of shopping online. And um, again, by my circumstances, I can't drive currently. I'm um, dependent on others to take me places. And I found that it's a lot easier to get what I want rather than giving someone a shopping list just to order it myself online. And that's something I never had done. Probably many of you have experienced that Uh, as we worked through COVID and all those things, but I never had really taken advantage of anything like DoorDash or um, any of those kind of things. And I never had really shopped online um, for like my local stores. Um, But I ended up trying a, a free trial of Walmart plus, which is normally 13 or 12 95 a month. Um, and the 30-day free trial went really well. They bring my groceries. Actually, they shop for my groceries and text me if um, they don't have things in stock. And I can tell them I want a substitution. And then they bring it right to my door. And... Um, you are prompted or encouraged in the app to give a tip to your driver, which is certainly <laughs> worth doing with all the work that they're doing for you and saving you time and everything. Um, but the thing that was really the icing on the cake for me was that I got the Paramount Plus um, subscription along with it, which is something I um, subscribed to and was paying like six fifty or seven dollars a month. Just for that subscription. And that actually comes along for free with your $13 a month for Walmart Plus. So, really, not paying that much for Walmart Plus when I already had that Paramount Plus subscription that I could cancel and kind of envelop in this. Um, I thought it was interesting and odd, but I guess it makes sense if they're competing with Amazon and Amazon has Amazon Prime to offer that they have this collaboration with Paramount. Um, So that was a good thing. You also get free shipping uh, with no order minimum, again, similar to Amazon. So if things need to be shipped like my jelly comb USB charger, uh, which was only $12.99. I didn't have to pay any shipping fees for that one item to get shipped to me. So kind of a long story, but that's my pick of the week.
0: Nice. So do you find Walmart, uh, online Walmart purchases similar speed to an Amazon purchase? So next day, two days, something like that?
1: Definitely. Sometimes the next day, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been very fast. Um, I actually just ordered a cool outdoor toy for my grandson and they got it just in a day or two out in North Dakota. So nice. I was really pleased with that as well.
0: Okay. Very good. Jellycomb USB charging station. Love the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, great price for, for what you get too. So nice. Definitely. Find. All right. My pick of the week. Um, I've long had a challenge of, uh, at least for this podcast and some of the other recording audio recordings I do is finding something that mounts or handles or uh, positions all the things I need, like lighting, camera, microphone, those kinds of things, around my uh, my desk here. Uh, so they all had little stands or clip-ons or whatever, and I thought it's got to be a better, more integrated. Uh, sturdier solution and uh, I was visiting my son as I mentioned um, out in Colorado and I noticed and he does uh he works from home uh, and he has a lot of the same needs for his zoom calls Etc and I asked him and I saw that he had a, a mounting system that was working really well for him he had a camera and a light and a microphone all kind of uh, on one system, and I asked him what that was, and he told me it's the Elgato Master Mount um, solution. Which uh, I will say it's not the cheapest, but I, but I will vouch for its quality. Uh, very sturdy. There are a number of products here uh, in the in the solution that they provide. Um, so basically, the base is a, a pole the uh, very sturdy telescoping pole that you can clip on to or attach to your desk. And then from that, you have different accessories that can come off of it. different length arms. Some of them are flexible, some are more stationary, some clip on. Most of them uh, clip on through this little ball mount. So they're they're very um, uh, configurable. So if you want something just in the right location, um, you can do that there's iphone mounts there's lighting mounts um i i cannot um say that i've used this for more than like 3 days at this point but i thought it was a timely pick and i think the quality is is super nice the uh it's nice uh um, painted aluminum so it's fairly light but very stiff and uh, infinitely flexible so it's a uh, um, I think a nice solution for somebody looking to, who uses uh, a lot of these tools for Zoom or for recording screencasts or uh, video conferences, those kinds of things. It's uh, it's kind of a nice solution. So highly recommend it. Again, that's from Elgato. They make all kinds of things. Uh, they have webcams. They have um, devices that will do um, video capture right into your computer. I think I've had a pick for for one of their products in the past, but uh, it's uh, kind of a nice setup, especially for podcasters or, or, or vloggers or people who spend a lot of time in uh, front of their computer and uh, you know, maybe doing video conferences, those kinds of things. So that is the Elgato Master Mount. So I'm still figuring out different ways to configure it. Um, you can get it whatever height you want. Um, and uh, good product so far.
1: Very good. Next thing you know, you're going to be live streaming your gaming with it. Who knows? <laughs> well, there's
0: a couple things standing in the way of that. One is I don't game. so <laughs> <Could> <laughs> But that would problem. be a good application for it. So mm, it would sure. absolutely. So good stuff, though. Elgato makes some quality stuff. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: that is my pick. Let's move on to community news and feedback.
1: Yeah. We've actually heard from teacher slash interim principal, risen Savior Lutheran school here in Mankato. That would be Michael Vlieger. He's a, a friend of mine and a um, a techie at heart. So mm-hmm. he's always sharing new things with us. And this week he shared a podcast, which we'll include in the show note links. Um, it's a holy post podcast episode 570 and a few minutes into the show they talked about the ai preacher uh interesting that artificial intelligence and preaching is coming up together and um actually just saw a facebook post where somebody asked it to give them a children's prayer or something to that effect and it was a pretty good prayer from chat gpt so um, martin did you give this podcast a listen
0: I did. I was not aware of this. Uh, they've been apparently around a long time. Episode five seventy. Nothing compared to to, to ours, but uh, that's a, that is a long time in podcast years. Um, sure. But yeah, it was an interesting conversation, and I think uh, uh, I agreed with uh, the direction that they were headed. I think the the general thought was in talking about uh, AI sermons. Is you know there there may be some use in a pastor's toolbox as he's crafting or prepping, but not uh, crafting. So I think uh, they they were kind of headed the right direction there. But an interesting thought and in a different, uh, 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 a little bit different kind of podcast in that respect, where they're talking about. Um, Things related to ministry, not necessarily technology, but this obviously touched on the uh, on a technology topic. So I would encourage mm-hmm. you to give it a listen and uh, give us your feedback on what you think about this whole AI thing. Uh, I do know there is a um, memorial to the Synod Convention this year talking about uh AI preaching or, or the use of AI in ministry. So, maybe something that gets discussed at the uh, Synod Convention this year, which is coming up in a couple of weeks.
1: Very interesting. All right. Um, I wanted to make mention of an upcoming webinar that I learned about. Um, this is being done by Grace Ungmach, who has been uh, publishing um, e newsletters each week this year about. Church and school marketing, basically, and uh, she's put together this free webinar on Google Ad Grants. It says, "Did you know Google wants to give you one hundred and twenty thousand dollars free ad dollars every year?" Um, She says that her webinar will cover the fine print and give you access to some printable step-by-step checklist. And it sounds like after that, she's going to have a whole series that you might be interested in and looking into as well. So uh, this is coming up September 1st and at 4.30 p.m. Central Time. So if you are curious about Google um, ad dollars and using them for your nonprofit organization, Grace has answers for you. So check that out. Very nice. And then finally, I probably shouldn't have stopped sharing my screen. One more thing to mention from our friend, Michael Vlieger. Um, He just wrote to us right before we started recording uh, with a reminder that recently we talked about the Spark EdTech conference that was happening. I want to say it was in Ohio. I can't remember exactly. We had a link in our last show notes um, and it happened on July 18th. So just earlier this week, Um, but now they've posted recordings of the event and you can watch the recordings and still get certified certificates um, for attendance and so uh, Michael said he was in the midst of watching one titled five lesser known Google tools you should check out today so um, if that's of interest to you if you're looking to get some um, professional development credits uh, maybe check out that Spark EdTech conference.
0: Very good. If you want to contribute, and we would certainly encourage you to do so to the show, whether that be a question, comment, link, something, a book review that you'd like us to maybe consider easy to do, wellstech.wells.net is the show notes page that Sally diligently maintains and is a great resource, not only for us, but it could be for you. Um, That search tool really is helpful in, in trying to find content. Uh, that you might be interested in. Uh, But across the top, there's all kinds of links there for ways to connect with us, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Another way to do that is, as Michael did, send us an email, wellstech at wells.net will get to us. And uh, if uh, we feel that uh, that's some good stuff there that we'd like to share with everybody else, uh, we will. And we would love for you to to share what you uh, maybe are bringing to the table, or something that you've implemented in your ministry, or you have a question about. That's a great uh, way to to get that news to a little bit wider audience, so we can uh, help each other. Very Sally, good. I think that is going to do it. Uh, I mentioned last uh, earlier in the show that uh, next show we will continue our discussion of tech, li- our review of Tech Like a Pirate. That'll be chapters seven and eight, charting the course to a learning expedition and learning with new friends around the world. So just a little bit to whet your appetite. Anything else, Sally? Looking
1: forward to it coming up in just a few weeks. So make sure you uh, check our calendar and tune in for that soon.
0: Very good. Thanks for everything you do, Sally, and uh, thanks to all you listeners and viewers of the Wells Tech Podcast. Share the word that we're still alive, kicking 705 (laughs) and counting. Uh, We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.